Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody. I am John Clark. Welcome to the Takeoff Podcast presented by Live Hotel Casino Philadelphia. It's great. It's around the ballpark, the link. And of course, the Wells Fargo Center, you can stop in before and after a game. We have a very special guest heading into the Phillies Alumni Weekend to celebrate the 1980 World Champions. Pete Rose is going to be back on a baseball field in Philadelphia for the first time in forever. What, three decades? The Phillies got permission from the commissioner to have Pete Rose back on the field at Citizens Bank Park. He's never been on the field at Citizens Bank Park. This is a great conversation with baseball's all-time hit king, Pete Rose, on coming back to Philly. Hope you enjoy. All right, this is a big weekend in Philadelphia. They're going to be celebrating the 1980 World Championship Phillies. And finally, Pete Rose, the all-time hit king, is coming back to Philly, and he is going to be on the field at Citizens Bank Park. Pete Rose, we appreciate you taking the time joining us today. Well, it's a pleasure to talk uh, with you. Uh, It's always a pleasure to talk about my days in the city of brotherly love. Uh, I had a love connection with the fans over there for five years, Uh, three playoffs, two World Series, one world championship. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Now, you know, you got to remember one thing that uh, first of all, I did not want to leave Cincinnati. It's my hometown. I spent 16 years there. Uh, great years, World Series, all-star games, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they no longer wanted my services. And I kind of selected the team I wanted to go to, which is the Philadelphia Phillies. Sure. I talked to Augie Bush with the Cardinals. I talked to Ted Turner with the Cardinals, John Galbraith with the Pittsburgh Pirates, Uh, uh, you know, people like that. But uh, uh, my heart was always I wanted to play for the Phillies, and it was because I had a special relationship with Lazinski, Boa, Schmidt, those type of guys when they came into Cincinnati uh, to play the Reds. And uh, till this day, I thought the only problem the Phillies had in the 70s was the Reds. Now, if I leave the Reds and go to the Phillies, they don't have that problem no more. Well, problem was solved, and you helped lead the Phillies to the 1980 World Championship. How did it come about that you are invited back and allowed back on a baseball field at Citizens Bank Park this weekend? I don't know. They just, uh, uh, you know, really, and and some of the people from the Phillies staff called and, and, uh, you know, told me about the event. And, you know, I've been back on the field in Cincinnati. I mean, I was back there for my number retirement. Uh, I was back there for the Reds Hall of Fame. I was back there for a bobblehead. Uh, you know, but uh, there again, what, three or four years ago, I was supposed to go on the Wall of Fame. 
and the Phillies canceled that. And uh, uh, I'm happy that uh, whoever gave the okay gave the okay. I mean, I, I'm not going to hurt anybody. I mean, uh, I made some mistakes in my life. Most people do. And uh, I've always loved the Philadelphia fans. Uh, they get a bad rap because my philosophy uh, with the Philadelphia fans is they want two things. They want you to bust your ass and they want to win. Every fan in every ballpark should want the same thing that the Philly fans want. And I knew that when I was getting ready to go there. And I found out firsthand once I was there. We didn't win the first year. I had a great year. But we won the second year. And we won, uh, went to the World Series in 83 in the fourth year. So, you know, if you can go to a team for four or five years and go to two World Series, you kind of accomplish something. And I had a lot of help because we had a lot of good players. Yeah, I mean, we we had all stars at every position with the Phillies, as we did uh, all stars at every position with the Reds. You know, when you got Boa, Lazinski, Schmidt, Maddox, McBride, Boone, you know, that type of personnel, Lazinski, uh, it's going to be fun to play the game. And Philadelphia was no different than than Cincinnati, as far as I'm concerned. I I was hanging around with all star players every day of the week. What is it going to mean to you to step back onto the field in Philadelphia? It's a different ballpark, but yeah. be there with all of your teammates from that 1980. Well, it's going to be uh, it's going to be outstanding. But but there again, I learned a long time ago. Okay, that uh, don't ever go somewhere and expect something. You know, because you never know. And I've been through this a lot. Okay, you never know the reaction of the people, good, bad, or indifferent. I certainly hope I get a good reaction because I gave my heart and soul to the Philly fans for five years. I don't know how they're going to react to me. I don't know how they're going to react to Schmitty. I don't know how they're going to react to Booney. I I, I really don't know. You have to wait and see uh, the mood of the people because it's all about the people. It's all about the fans. And and Philly fans have great, they're great fans. They're knowledgeable fans uh, and they're passionate. And I, I guess that's why I fell in love with them because they, they stood for the same things that I've stood for my whole career. Pete, come on. You know the reaction you're going to get in Philly. You, you talked about how they love people who hustle. You're Charlie Hustle. You help bring a World Series. Don't you think you're going to get a standing ovation here in Philly? Well, I think everybody will. But, uh, but there again, uh, uh, I've had standing ovations everywhere. I mean, for hitting streaks and 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 4,192. But, but what I'm saying is you don't – you don't ever go to a ballpark expecting something. Then if you don't get it, you're disappointed. Okay. I'm not going to be disappointed with the fans of Philadelphia. I love them. And I think they love me, how they're going to show their reaction. I don't know. I wish I could look through a, a crystal ball. Uh, I hope they give the same reaction to Schmitty, uh, to Lazinski, to Boa, you know, to Christensen, to, to everybody's going to be on that, on that field on Sunday. I mean, I know what we did. First time in 86 years we won a World Series. That's a long time. Philly fans waited a long time for 1980 to get there. And uh, I, I just was happy to be a small part of it. We had a good team, man. We had a good team that played good. And we had a great manager in Dallas Green. I, I, I tell people this all the time. Uh, I hope you understand what I'm saying. We won in 1980 because of one person. And that one person was Dallas Green. He is the type of manager that that ball club needed. I don't know if it's because 
He knew all those guys in the Philly minor leagues. I'm talking about Lazinski, Bola, Maddox, those guys. But he knew how to handle all the Philly players. He knew who to yell at and who not to yell at. And uh, he was the reason we won. It's just like when I played in Montreal. We had three Hall of Famers on that team. We had a good ball club. But Bill Verne was a hell of a nice guy, but he just wasn't the right guy for that team. Sparky was the right guy for the Reds. Okay. Uh, Pat Corrales wasn't the right guy. Danny Ozark wasn't the right guy. But Dallas Green was the right guy for that group of guys. And that's why we won the World Series. Pete, can and I'm not, I'm not begrudging the other guys. Yeah. They were good managers to play for. And I had a lot of fun. Okay. But you had to get over the hump. And Dallas had a, a knack of getting over the hump. Well, you were a huge part in getting the Phillies over the hump. Can a guy like Dallas Green manage in today's baseball? Because you see in sports these days, players are making so much money, they want more of a partnership with their coach or their manager in all sports. Well, I think Dallas would give that partnership to uh, <clears throat> good players. Okay, good, uh, good players understand the effect of a good manager. You can name the good managers today. They're managing in, in the big leagues, and I can too. Now, but there again, I, I learned a long time ago. You know what makes a good manager? One thing. Treating the players with respect? Good players. Good players, you're right. You know any good managers that had bad players? You got a great point. We had good players in Cincinnati. We had good players in Philadelphia. The Yankees got good players this year. You know, players make the manager good, bad, or indifferent. And Dallas understood his players. You know, Dallas was like Sparky. Sparky used to tell me, and think about this, there's three ways you can treat a person. Pat him on the butt, kick him in the butt, or leave him alone. You don't kick the guy and he's left alone. You, you, you don't kick the guy uh, that needs to be uh, patted on the butt. Because you're asking them to go to war with you every night. You got to know what makes them tick. Dallas knew what made the Philly players tick. He didn't treat me like Boa. He didn't treat uh, Boa like uh, Tug McGraw. He didn't treat Christensen like he did Schmitty. He knew our personnel, our personalities. And to get the most out of your players, you almost got to know what makes them tick. I thought I did a pretty good job uh, when I was manager of the Reds for those four or five years in the eighties, because I understood my players, you know, everybody's an individual on a baseball team, but you have one set of rules. Dallas had it. I had it. Sparky had it. Everybody has the one set of rules. Okay. But you don't treat everybody the same, but you treat everybody under that one set of rules. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. And, and Dallas Green sometimes would chew all of you guys out. He would tear the paint off the walls, rip the paint off the walls with his speeches. And I don't think managers can do that anymore because players are a little more sensitive now. Uh, do you think that? No, no, no I, that I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Because if a manager's like that, okay, uh, and the player, if the player made a mistake and he can't get criticized, you don't want that guy as your manager. You don't want that guy as your player. You know, you have to criticize when it's necessary, not to the standpoint that you're picking on somebody, 
Okay, but if a guy constantly makes bonehead mistakes, then you have to bring him out so he don't make the same mistakes over and over again. There's a reason why you have a cutoff, man. There's a reason why you have a bunt. There's a reason why you have a sacrifice fly. And the, the sooner everybody understands that, the better off everybody's going to be. It's, it's not rocket science. Everybody wants it to be so difficult. Go out there, three outs, you make three, go get your glove, go play defense. You, you get three, go back in, take your bats out. That's the way it is. It's a baseball game. And the, the, the team that plays uh, the, the most positive baseball is usually the team that's going to win. It's as simple as that. You know, the best team in baseball won't win, won't win this year. Okay, I don't know who the best team in baseball is right now. Uh, you know, it's got to be the Dodgers. It's got to be the Yankees. Uh, you know, there's a couple other teams. Atlanta's got a real good team. They, they finally got it together. They won the World Series last year. It's hard to repeat. Uh, but there again, uh, if you if you got good players, that how they say, if they buy into your program, you know, you have to have players to see the light at the end of the tunnel that you're turning on. And if they do that, you're not going to win, but you've got a better chance of winning. Pete, do that's, you? That's my philosophy. Yeah. Pete, do you remember the last time you were on a field in Philadelphia? Uh, no, I really don't. It, it had to be the last time I managed in 89. Uh, with the Reds in Philadelphia. But it, it, it'll be the same for me because uh, it's a great city. It's, 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 a, it's, a, uh, it's, it's a hard-knocking city. It's hard-working people. Uh, and they appreciate effort. And as you know, one thing I gave when I played the game of baseball was effort. No one gave more effort than I did. But that was because I respected the people that I played in front of. Hey, there's got to be more than Bo Lazinski, Maddox, and, and Boone and those guys as a reason why I went to Philadelphia. It was partly because of the fans. Hey, if you don't do well, they let you know about it. They should. They're paying good bucks to go watch you play. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? You you have to you have to have the fans that the fans at heart when you're playing for a city, especially a hard nosed city like Philadelphia, they're great fans. You know, I knew that when I watched the Sixers, when I watched Jaworski and the Eagles, you know, Maurice Cheeks, uh, Julius Irving. I mean, those guys, uh, Carmichael, Montgomery, you know, I used to watch those guys, even though I've lived in Cincinnati in the wintertime, but I still become part of the city because of my relationship with the Philadelphia Phillies. Bill, Bill Jowles was wonderful. Ruby Carpenter was wonderful. You know, he was a good owner for players. And I think all the players really loved Ruby because of the way he had a relationship with his players. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Ruby had a pretty good relationship with the fans, too. I know he's from Wilmington, but that don't make him a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pete, sometimes certain guys come to Philly and they can't deal with the booing or the pressure. Uh, and sometimes the booing gets to them or the fans intensity. What's your advice to guys who maybe aren't used to that, the intensity and the heat from the fans? Well, I think I, I think I talked to Bryce Harper before he went to Philly and I told him, Bryce, 
bust your ass every day and they will never even start to think about booing you. I don't care how many times you strike out. If you bust your chops, they'll love you. You got the talent and he's got the talent. He showed it. Okay. Philly fans, you can't get offended if you strike out in the bottom of the ninth with bases loaded in two outs. They want to hit. They want to win the game. They don't want to see a strikeout. Are you supposed to give them a standing ovation if you make an error or strike out? Hey, suffer the consequences based on your play. Okay? Make sure that they don't boo. Make sure that they yell for you because you got a game-winning hit. You made a game-winning play. You got a game-winning save. Those are the things that make fans happy. Philadelphia fans, they're, they, they aren't coming to the Philly games to see the Phillies play. They're coming to the games to see the Phillies win. And you can tell that when you're on the field. It's very simple. Just to watch the reaction of the Philly fans. They don't boo people who are doing well. Hey, if you're not doing well, what are you supposed to do? Get an ovation? So if, if, if you're hitting 220, you don't deserve a standing ovation. If you're hitting 320, you'll get a standing ovation. If you're in first place, they'll clap for you every night. If you're in fifth place, they come to the ballpark to boo you. And that's the right they have because of the price of admission. Pretty Pete, simple. You're, Pete, you're up there with the Philly greats like Brian Dawkins, Allen Iverson, Chase Utley, guys who always hustled, always laid their bodies on the line. Nowadays in baseball, I don't know if you heard the story about Tony La Russa, let it slip out, the Chicago White Sox, their sports science people, analytics people, actually basically said some of their best players should not run all out on a grounder to second or a pop fly. They need to preserve their bodies. And Jimmy Rollins even said that one time where, hey, yeah. if I know well, I'm going to be out, I, I'm not going to waste my energy because I want to be durable and be there for 162. No, no, I, I, I don't want him on my team. I, I do not want him on my I imagine the Billies 84, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. I can't imagine telling Barry Larkin or Chris Sabo or Paul O'Neill to hit a ground ball and not run it out. Okay. Because as soon as you don't, the guy's going to boot it and you're going to be embarrassed. Hey, you're out there for two and a half hours on a daily basis. I don't want to, I don't want anybody to tell me that you're going to get tired because you run a ball out. Okay. You're, you're feeding right into the nose, the, the people who don't like you. If you don't run a ball out, I never heard of a manager telling a player, and I'm surprised Tony La Russa, who's had success as a manager, would tell his players not to run a ball out. Well, I think his sports science people and the analytics people well, were, were get that. rid of them. Get rid of them. I don't want them on my. I don't want them in my in my in my dugout. I don't want them talking to my players. You know, I played 3,558 games, and I don't ever remember getting tired during the game. I, I was tired a lot of times. I went to the ballpark. But then when you put that uniform on, you, you get that energy somehow, some way, just to be able to put that uniform in, on and go out and get four at-bats. Sure, everybody who plays sports gets tired. It's a, it's a tough schedule. Football, baseball, basketball, hockey. You know, hockey and football beat the hell out of each other. You still come back the next week and play. Baseball. If you get beat on Monday, you come back on Tuesday. That's the great thing about baseball. If you make an error to lose on Monday night, you can get three hits the next night with a home run to win the game. 
You don't have to wait till next Sunday. You don't have to wait till Thursday. You can get it on Tuesday. And that's the outlook you got to have. Because don't forget, we play the only sport in the world where you fail 70% of the time and go to the Hall of Fame. If Michael Jordan shot three out of 10, if Tom Brady completed three out of 10, we aren't buying them jerseys. Okay? But baseball, you get three out of 10, you're hanging in a, in a place up in a place called Cooperstown. Okay? That's all it takes to get to the... I made, I made 9,800 outs. Think about that. 98, almost, almost 10,000 outs. But don't forget, I batted 16,500 times. So I hit 300 for a career. I guess that's not bad. It's interesting because I, I had to laugh a couple minutes ago when you said you spend two hours and 30 minutes out there. Pete, when you played, those games were going along quickly. Steve Carlton was throwing the ball every four to five seconds. Pete, some games now are three hours, 3.15, 3.30. Do you think that they need a pitch clock so that you can get no, young kids I don't, I don't like. I don't like a pitch clock. No? But it seems, but, but it seems like baseball, uh, and I like Mr. Manford. He's doing a good job with that team, with that, with that league. Uh, but I just think that the only thing they don't address in baseball, the, the rules committee, is how to speed up the game. I was watching Altuve last night with Houston. Okay, every pitch, every pitch, ball strike, foul ball, whatever it is, he stepped out and readjusted his batting gloves. Every not, and I counted every freaking pitch, and they all do that. Okay, uh, the people who love that are concessionaires because the games are longer. They're going to sell more hot dogs. They're going to sell more beers. They got to figure out a way. I don't want a pitch clock where you're worried about you got 30 seconds to throw the ball. What if the guy gets a bug in his eye? He's got to step out. You know, if something happens, uh, I don't, I don't know what uh, the remedy would be for, for the speed up the games. Uh, but it seems like back in the sixties, we had faster games because the players weren't jumping in and out of the batter's box. There are so many pitching changes today. Every time you have a pitching change, you have a new pitcher warming up. He's coming in from the bullpen. That all adds to the time of the game. You know, uh, and you're never going to be able to speed up the game because you have six minutes of commercials every inning. Okay, now figure, you got nine innings. Nine times six, the last time I checked, is 54 minutes they're not going to get rid of because of commercials. So their hands are tied on how you speed up the game. Some pitchers speed up the game. Most pitchers don't. But, you know, some of these pitchers, they got such good stuff, they can't wait to throw it. But some of these pitchers, they don't want to throw because they don't have good stuff. So it's, it's a problem that baseball has to address, and I wish I had the answer, but I really don't have the answer. So that's interesting. You don't want a pitch clock. And I saw you spray a lot of balls to right field. Uh, you could put it anywhere you wanted it. But what do you think of the shift now? Where I wish it, First of all, let me explain something to you. Okay. I didn't spray the ball anywhere. All right. I hit the ball hard. I wasn't a spray hitter. I wasn't a punch and Judy hitter, but I wasn't a power hitter. 
you know, I got over 1,100 extra base hits. So that takes me out of the punch and Judy uh, yeah. era that you're talking about. I, I meant you can put it where you want to. Yeah. Well, you put it where it's pitched. You don't put it where you want. But there again, I don't know how I would approach uh, the shift today because it wouldn't shift on me because I use the whole field. That's why the whole field's out there. Edner Doubleday didn't want you to not be able to hit the ball to right field or left field or center field. There's a lot of holes out there. you got to use the whole field. And I wish they'd have shifted on me. I'd have probably got 500 more hits. <laughs> All right. How about the other thing that could be coming down the line? Robots for umpires someday. No, no. I'm, I'm, that's out of my corner, too. Uh, because I believe the umpires do a good job. You know, I had my run-ins with the umpires. But umpires are a big part of the game. And it's a shame that they can't be a bigger part of the game. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, I really got along with Augie Donatelli and Al Barley, two of the better umpires ever. And whenever they come in for a weekend series in Cincinnati, I would always go to their hotel on Sunday morning and have a breakfast with them on the way to the ballpark. Now, if I did that today and a situation came up where they ruled in my favor in the ninth inning, they think the gamblers got to us. So umpires can't be as big a part of the game uh, as they'd like to be, as they should be. And I used to, I used to get my hair cut at the ballpark in the umpire's room. I'd get a cut before they got there. So I got to know all the umpires pretty well. And, and that's another thing about being a player in baseball. Whenever the four umpires walk from underneath the stadium in Philadelphia, one's got a mask in his hand. Now, right away, you know who he is. You know if he's a good umpire, a bad umpire, a pitcher's umpire, a hitter's umpire, a high ball umpire, a low ball umpire. And all you want him to do is be what he's been his whole career. Okay? If you if you got a, a pitcher's umpire, like the night before I broke the record, Lee Wire was, was umpire at first base, and he said, you'll break that record tomorrow night. I said, how do you know? He said, because I'm behind the plate. I said, what's that mean? He said, you'll be swinging because I call strikes. And he was absolutely right. Now, if Dutch Renner was back there, he didn't call a strike if it was a strike. He was a hitter's umpire. You know, every time you batted, you could be 2-0, and 3-1. and one. Us just was, us, uh, uh, Dutch had a tight uh, strike zone. You know, you like that as a hitter. You don't want a guy that's calling it from here down to your, down to your knees. But that's, 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 that's the experience of playing in the big leagues. You have to know the umpires because you don't, you very seldom get new umpires every year. It's a tough, it's a good job to have. And I think the replays, uh, and if they miss it, they'll overturn it. So umpires get every call right now. Because, you know, a, a close call, all you got to do is review it. That takes time too. But when they, when they re review most plays, uh, they'll prove that the um umpires are right. They're doing a good job. Leave the umpires alone. Speed up the game. The umpires, they don't want slow games. They don't want three-hour games. they got places to go people to eat with like, like players do. So, you know, uh, I wish the games were faster, uh, but they're not, and I'll accept that. 
we had some help. We had a game one time with the Phillies in Chicago. Yeah. 23 to 22. <laughs> you think that was a fast game? Yeah, but you love to see the game like that. Yeah, once sure. It was a hitter. Yeah. The only, the, the only thing bad about that game is if you're a hitter and you go over, you're over seven. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one guy. You're the oh, one guy. Man. So, Pete, uh, the Phillies, they said that they got permission from the commissioner for you to come back on the field at Citizens Bank Park for the first time in Philly. Uh-huh. Do you think in any way this is loosening any restrictions oh, I don't know. on I, you? I don't, I, I don't worry about that. But, uh, but there again, I have to put out a special thank you for the commissioner for allowing me to be part of this celebration. Okay, because I was part of the 1980 Philadelphia Philly World Champion team. And uh, I don't know uh, the do's or don'ts that they did with the commissioner to get me there. All I know is they called and invited me and uh, I was a little apprehensive, but then they said, no problem. We want you to come. All your teammates want you to come. I know you want to come. And I said, I'll be there. So I'm going to be there Sunday and hopefully it will be a, a good experience for all the former teammates of mine. And hopefully it'll be a winning day for the Phillies. It should be. They're playing Washington. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's nobody left with the Washington Nationals. Wow, they just got rid of everybody. I mean, started with Max, and uh, I don't know what they were doing. It's just like uh, San Diego seemed to do well at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just seems like the rich got richer. So let me ask you about the current Phillies. You're going to be seeing them on Sunday. You talked with Bryce Harper. You've got Bryce. Now, he's not playing right now, but you got Bryce, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, JT Real Muto. you got a good lineup. And then well, I knew Nick. I knew Nick when he played in Cincinnati. Uh, Schwarby, uh, he's from right around Cincinnati. He was a uh, he, he's a dude, man. He's a football player, and he's he's a strong guy too. He's Country a strong, strong right? Too. Yeah, yeah. He's home run strong in that ballpark. Yes, Hopkins. I like him. You, you know, uh, uh, JT Real Muto. Real Muto. I mean, makes a lot of money as a catcher, but he's a good catcher. And he gets he gives you some offense for the catcher, which most teams don't have. That's why the big red machine was so was so good. We had a catcher named Johnny Bench, perennial all-star, MVP. All right. We had a second baseman named Joe Morgan, perennial all-star, back-to-back MVPs. Second baseman and catchers aren't your normal MVP candidates. It's usually first base, third base outfield those are your part positions and every once in a while you get a really good offensive catcher like mike piazza you know like roy campanella you know i can go back 40 50 years and when you get production from those positions you usually got a good team Phillies got a good team so pete the phillies have a good lineup and then you got yeah. the starters zach wheeler aaron nola they just added Noah Syndergaard, the bullpen looks stacked. Now you added David Robertson, who's having a really good year. Now they traded for a center fielder, Brandon Marsh. So do you think that this Phillies team should make the playoffs? I think they can. I mean, they're only two or three games behind, right? Well, actually, right now they're in the last wild card spot. Okay, they'll make it then. I mean, they're going to be better the second half. Okay, they're going to be better the second half than they were the first half. Okay, because they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. They can see the finish line. And, uh, you know, they got a good manager, too. You know, he, he keeps his ducks in order. 
that's important too, going down the stretch. But you still got to play. You got to catch the ball. You got to hit the ball. Got to catch the ball. You got to hit the ball. You got to hit the ball in the clutch. You got to pitch in the clutch. Your bullpen is very important. Okay, so I wish I had a, a, a silver ball I could look into and tell you where the Phillies are going to the playoffs or not. All I can tell you is I'm going to Philly Saturday, <laughs> and I'll be on the field on Sunday, and I'll have my Gucci shoes on, so it's going to feel good being on that <laughs> on that field. You're going to be looking good, huh? Well, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just happy to see the guys. You know, I haven't seen – I see Bo every once in a while. I see Lazinski. I haven't seen Arnold in a long time. I haven't seen Trio, although I talked to him. I miss Tug. I uh, see LC all the time, but guys like Brewster and, 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 and guys like that, uh, uh, you know, it's good. It's good to see those guys because Greg gross, uh, Del Unser. I mean, those were important guys to us as a Philadelphia Phillies and, uh, uh, Dallas is gone now. So that's a big part of the deal as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, anytime you go to a baseball show today, you reminisce with guys you played with and played against. And you got to remember, man, I was lucky enough to play against Stan Musial, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Roberto Clemente. And don't, don't be a smart ass. I didn't play against Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Although I wish I had because Babe Ruth to me is the greatest baseball player in the history of baseball. Why? And I'll tell you why. Because I don't think Michael Jordan could do it. I don't think Tom Brady could do it. I don't think Wayne Gretzky could do it. But I know Babe Ruth did it. What did he do? He saved the game because of what happened in 1919. Michael Jordan was the greatest. But I don't know if he, if he could save the game. I don't know if Gretzky could save the game of hockey. But I know Babe Ruth saved the game of baseball. And Babe Ruth, 500 years from now, People will still read about Babe Ruth. And they'll read about me, too, because I'll be at the top of the hit list. And nobody's nobody going to beat that record. No, unless they make a, make a special heart that makes you play from 40 to 50. You know, you never know. That might happen in the year 2200. I don't know. But guys, but guys now make so much money, they don't have to play. Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of guys that make a lot of money and still play. You know, when I, when I become a Philly, you got to remember, when I became a Philadelphia Philly for the 79 season, I become the highest paid player in team sports. Is that a million dollars? 810,000. Did I still bust my ass? I'm asking you, did I still bust my ass? Pete, I remember as a little kid, you ran to first base every time you walked. Well, my dad made sure I did that because his philosophy was the faster you get to first, the fest you can get to second, third, and score a run. That's the way you got to play the game. You know, take what they give you, plus get more from them. Are you okay with the uh, the extra wild cards? Yeah, I don't, yeah. Yeah, wild card baseball, playoff baseball is fun. You know, and uh, I know you may not have the best team gets hot during the playoffs and goes to the World Series, but we've seen uh, surprises in football. We've seen surprises in basketball. Who really cares if we see surprises in baseball? If you get hot 
in September, at the end of September and October, and you win your way to the playoffs, and you win your way first through the first round, through the second round, and you get, get really hot during the World Series, were well, you going to blame them? Take it away from them? I can't do it. Okay? It's just like, you know, I don't blame guys for signing big contracts because I learned a long time ago. I went through this. You're as, you're as good as you can negotiate. That's how good you are. I don't care if Bryce Harper makes $30 million. I could care less. You know, I hope he earns it, which he does. You know, I don't care if Alex Rodriguez signed two $250 million contracts. He didn't, he didn't put no gun in anybody's head and make them pay him. You know, Soto turned down $440 million. God bless him. I wish I could have turned down $440 million. What's Aaron judgment again? $500 million? He's going to get a lot. Yeah. He's having a great year. His timing is very important. You know, just like my timing was very important after the 78 season. What did I do in 78 season? You know, I got my 3,000th hit. I hit 44 straight games. And uh, I earned the opportunity to go to the free agency. And Philadelphia was smart enough to sign me. You know, I could have been a pirate. I could have been a St. Louis Cardinal. You know, I could have been a, an Atlanta Brave. He offered me a million dollars a year. Uh, but he told me, he said, I, I don't care how you play baseball, uh, Pete. I want you to help me sell TV. That's when WTBS was just starting. Yep. So that's why he offered me 200000 more than Ruley Carpenter did. I remember when I asked for 800000 uh, at Ruley's house in, in Wilmington, he said, my God, that's almost a million dollars a year. <laughs> and, I, and I never did figure out why really give me 810000 and And because the highest paid guy was eight hundred, because he knew I wanted to be the highest paid player in sports. Okay. So he gave me, so he gave me 10,000 more than the 800,000. <laughs> I love it. it I guess he was a bad mathematician. It wasn't just a dollar. It was 10,000. So that's good. Uh, Pete, you talked about years from now. Do you think maybe after you're gone, whatever, do you think you will be in the Hall of Fame? All it takes is a commissioner oh, one I, day. You know, let me, let me explain to you. Every player, every player in his or her sport should want to reach uh, the Hall of Fame. And uh, if I don't, it's my fault. I made the mistakes. Okay. But... Uh, I'm kind of over it, if, and I'm not belittling in the Hall of Fame. I would love to. I'd be the happiest guy in the world at the Hall of Fame if I could give up in front of those players and give a speech. But uh, I've been suspended 32 years. You know, uh, guys don't go to prison for 32 years now. I'm kind of over it. You understand what I'm saying? I learned to live with it. Now, I appreciate all the guys that I've played with and played against that are in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I admire those guys. I respect those guys. And if I'm able to join the club, uh, I'd be the happiest guy in the world. I would give a speech like no other. And I know the commissioner's in a tough situation. Okay. And not him, because there was other commissioners that suspended me. Uh, but I, I have no, I hold no progressions against those guys. I'm talking about Bud Selig and and I'm talking about the, the other commissioners, uh, Bart Giamatti. I got along good with Bart Giamatti, if you want to know the truth. You know, he, whenever you come on the road, 
uh, as a commissioner, uh, two or three times I went to his room on the road. He stayed at the same hotel and just talked to him about baseball and how to make it better. And uh, Bart Giamatti respected my opinion about the game of baseball. And uh, Mr. Manfred, uh, he's got a tough job. These commissioners got tough jobs. And it's because of us athletes. You know, we put them in positions they don't want to be in. You know, a commissioner of a sport wants everything to run smooth. That's when your sport's doing well. You don't have drugs. You don't have people beating their wives. You don't have this guy missing games, this guy missing planes, this guy missing curfew. You know, there are so many things that athletes can do. And it's easier on the commissioner if we're just good uh, mo modern citizens, just become good citizens. And there for a period of time, I wasn't a good citizen as far as the commissioner was concerned. And I apologized to the commissioner's office, not only the commissioners, uh, but the commissioner's office many, many times. And all you can do is say you're sorry. Okay, no matter what you did, you know, all you can do is say you're sorry. But uh, when I was making my mistakes, I was still busting my ass on the field. I was trying to win every game I played. And by the way, I won more games than anybody else by 250. You know, the guy second and wins to me. I'm, I'm 1972. That's how many winning games I played in. Carl Yuskrimski is 250 behind me. He's second. That's almost two years he's behind me. So I don't think anybody's going to catch me in the winning games situation either. Those are two records that will never be broken. You know, it's interesting. Uh -oh. When I looked at the whole steroid scandal, somebody brought it up to me the other day about Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit doesn't even get mentioned anymore at all with the steroid guys who all denied taking steroids because Andy just came out and admitted that he did. Do you ever have a regret like that you didn't come clean earlier and that may have helped? Uh, no, no, because uh, I, I listened to lawyers. Uh, I didn't really think they had the, the goods, the evidence, because I never kept any evidence. But it happened. Uh, it was 30 some years ago. I'm not going to live the rest of my life, uh, you know, praying this happens or that happens. All I can do is continuously sell the game of baseball, talk positive about the game of baseball. You know, like, 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 like Tony Perez said a long time ago, he said, baseball been very, very good to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. Baseball been very, very good to me. You know, let me tell you something about Tony Perez. I love that guy. I mean, I, I dearly love Tony Perez. I, I've been knowing Tony Perez 62 years. When I'm two days out of high school in 1960, and he's two months out of Cuba, he's playing second base for the Geneva Reds in the New York Penn League. When I reported to Geneva, they moved him to third and put me at second in 1962. That's how long Tony Perez and I have been amigos. That's a long freaking time. And, and baseball gives you some lifelong relationships. I wanted to ask you one other thing about Baseball now, they have companies, gambling companies that are with them. You now even have 
baseball players who are allowed to be sponsored by a gambling company. And gambling companies are all over the broadcast. Gambling companies are everywhere. It's what do you think about, about that? It's all about this. Yeah. It's all about this. You could turn on the Major League Baseball Network 314 on my TV. And during the games, they'll give you gambling updates during the games. Hey, that's I, I, I played in the wrong era. OK, I played in the wrong era. And that, that's all I can say about that. I'm not going to be here and begrudge whatever the commissioner does with the gambling sites, uh, because someone's paying the bucks and the, the, the money. That's why they're able to give these guys 400 million, 300 million, 200 million, 500 million, because they're getting outside money, not just TV money. So I'm not going to start bad math. And, uh, you know, I'm looking right here, right out my window. If you can see that right there, oh, that's, that's Aria, that's Mandalay Bay, that's Caesars. That's across the street from where I live, but I'm not a casino gambler. You know, I lived here because I, I had a, a job here at a mall signing autographs 15 days a month, five days, a uh, uh, five, five hours a day. And it was very lucrative. Now the pandemic hit and we lost our lease. We're looking for another lease now because people come into this town and last year, 22 million people visited Las Vegas and other 22 million. How many have one thing in their pocket money to spend and they want to see a celebrity. And, my job fit right into the people coming to Las Vegas, Nevada. I can't knock this town. I can't knock the gambling site. I can't be involved with it because I'm not a gambler like, like that on, on casinos. So uh, maybe someday baseball would feel uh, justified in, in giving me a shot. I won't need a second, second shot. All I need is one shot. You know, but I'll continuously... Talk good about baseball, you know, be very positive about all these great young players we got to get to watch today and go from there. Hey, I wish I was playing today. Okay, guy asked me the other day. Uh, I think I got time to tell the story. He said, What do you think you'd hit if you were playing today? And I thought, shift, moment, huh? I thought for a moment, huh? I thought for a moment, you know how to beat it. I thought for a moment and I says, uh, I don't know, 199, 2201. He said, wow. He said, pitching's really that good today? I said, no, you dumbass. I'm 81 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that is tremendous. Pete, where did this uh, where did this personality come from? Because when you were here in Philly in your playing career, you were bigger than life. Like Charles Barkley, we see his personality on the NBA pregame and postgame shows all the time. And you have a bigger than life personality. Where'd that come from? Uh I guess my, my dad, I, I'm a very positive person. Uh, you know, I'll take a negative and make a positive out of it. And uh, I've been very fortunate to play with 12 Hall of Fame players and play with, uh, I played with a Hall of Famer at every position at one time or another in my career. Schmidt, Larkin, Morgan, Perez, Bench, Frank Robinson, Andre, Dawson, Tim Raines, Steve Carlton, Tom Seaver. Those were all former teammates of mine, all Hall of Famers. So it's been a pretty good ride for me to be around great players uh, and fitting in with great players. They'll keep you humble. Great players will keep you humble. 
They'll keep you straight. They'll keep you, you know, keep your mind on the game. Okay. From the time I left home till the time I got home, I was worried about one thing, helping the Phillies win. When I was in Philadelphia, helping the Reds win. When I was in Cincinnati, helping Montreal win. When I was in Montreal. Win the game. Pete, if there's a father and his son is walking by and he sees you, or even in Philly, like let's say there's a 10-year-old that didn't get to see you play, and the kid says, who's that, dad? And he says, Pete Rose, what would you want that father to say to his son about you? What do you want your legacy to be? Um, well, there's so many things they can think as far as my legacy, legacy is concerned. Uh, I think that I think the biggest thing that you, you can be attached to your name is you're a winner. And I'm the winningest athlete in the history of sports. Can't get around that. 1,972 times team I was playing for won the game. That don't include World Series. That don't include playoffs. That don't include All-Star games. And we won 16 out of 17 All-Star games. So I'm well over 2,000 wins. And I tell people this all the time, youngsters, you play the game for one reason, to win. When you're a kid and you win the game on the way home, your dad's in a better mood, your mom's in a better mood, you should be in a better mood. If you're not, you shouldn't be playing. Win the game. Everybody remembers winners. Do not be a sore loser. If you lose, use that to help you win the next game. Because the great thing about baseball, you don't play once a week. You play seven times a week. You can be a goat on Monday and Tuesday and hit three home runs on Wednesday and win the game three to nothing. You don't have to wait. You don't have to watch that film of someone beating you deep or someone losing their man and a guy dunking and winning the game. Baseball don't, it don't operate that way. P. Rose, I love that. And uh, to wrap this up, you know, for you to be welcome back to Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park with the 1980 World Champions, to have the commissioner allow the Phillies to have you there, where do you think this is going to rank? Uh, and do you think you'll be emotional because this is a long time coming? Well, it's a long time coming because we had to get the years for the anniversary of 1980. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sitting here in Vegas right now, Wednesday afternoon. 121 in the afternoon. I'm not really worried about being emotional in front of the fans. You know, I'm, uh, but there again, how emotional I get is how emotional the fans get. Because everybody on that team should get a, a, a hand. Because we all were part of something that happened in 1980. You know, Schmidt was MVP that year. Why should I get a bigger ovation than Schmidt or Lazinski or Boa? You know, they're all in the Philly Hall of Fame, I believe. I can't be in the Philly Hall of Fame. I only played five years there. Just like they can't be in the Cincinnati Hall of Fame. But I'm in the Cincinnati Hall of Fame. And that, see, anything connected to Cincinnati means a lot to me. And I'll tell you why. Because I was born three miles from the ballpark in Cincinnati, Ohio. How many guys played for the 80 Phillies were born three miles from the vet? 
No, I don't know of any. That's amazing. But I will say Jamie Moyer, 2008 Phillies. He was from the area, but not three miles. He wasn't on the 1980 team. You're right. So what I'm saying is very unusual to have the opportunity to play in your hometown. And I had the opportunity to play 19 years in my hometown. And they never run me out of town. Yeah. And and look, I have great respect for the Reds. I see all the Reds behind you. Is there anything Phillies in your spot? I see the Reds jersey over there. You got anything Philly there? The reason reason that's all Reds, I think, because that is actually a Warhol. Wow. That's the Andy Warhol uh, that he did. That's awesome. And I use that in my background because I do videos every day. So work on your background, will you? <laughs> I'm going to tell my guy, Tom, here to work on the background. I don't have any jerseys, though. That's the problem. I didn't play, so I'm not, right. I'm not good enough. When you come to Philly, um, you got any special food places that you go to? Any, any special No, I, hey, I get in Saturday night and leave uh, Monday morning. And we're busy all day Sunday going to the ballpark and going to uh, uh, John's uh, uh, house for a reception nice. after the game. So uh, that's going to be a, uh, a day I love because it's going to be a baseball day. I hope I get to sit cut boy and watch the game and watch that ball fly out of the ballpark. I'm, I'm getting tired of these replays on ESPN. Every other guy hits a home run, hits a home run. Tate Major home run, hits a home run. I mean, you know, I like home runs. I wasn't a home run hitter, but uh, do you agree or disagree? It's, it's kind of getting ridiculous. Pete, how many home runs are hitting? Pete, we need more action in the game. We need hits. We need steals. We need action. I agree with it. There's no action. A guy trotting around the bases doing his 15 different high fives, especially, let me tell you, especially teams that are in fifth and sixth place. <laughs> I, saw down, guy Aaron Knight, I saw a guy the Aaron Knights at fifth place. He took five minutes to get around the bases. And he's down six to nothing. Come on. Yeah. All right. All right. How about this, I Pete? Are I you don't okay? like that. Are you okay with the bat flip? Well, here's how you get rid of the bat flip. Okay. None of those guys that flipped the bat would flip the bat if Bob Gibson was pitching or if Don Drysdale was pitching, or if Marichelle was pitching, or if Seaver was pitching, because the next time up, they get knocked on their ass. And they know that. You know, here's my advice to home run hitters. When you hit a home run, just run around the bases. It's almost like spiking the football. Just act like you've done it before. Don't embarrass anybody. But Pete, Pete, I will say the kids love to see a good bat flip. It makes it fun. Well, don't make it fun for the guy who threw the ball. But, like, you know, when relievers close out a game, they pump their fists. They go crazy. Well, they're happy. They're happy. That you, you can pump your fist, but you don't have to uh, flip your bat 15 feet in the air or, or, or hold on to a three-fourths of the way down to first base. Hey, if you're willing to, to suffer the consequences, then go ahead and do whatever you want to do. <laughs> but all I'm telling you, you wouldn't do it if Bob Gibson was pitching because he put one right in the middle of your back the next time up. And everybody knew that. So yeah. no one back flipped. Well, you guys have flipped the bat back in my day. I mean, that's not something that's new. Hey, Pete, before I let you go, is there any website you're on? Is there any place where people can come see you in Vegas or anywhere? I want to let people know. You no, know, don't worry about me. 
my my word to get out soon as I find a spot in Vegas. Yeah, uh, we're working on it, but uh, you know, uh, I do a show a podcast every morning, uh, and we actually pick games, which is there's nothing wrong with picking games, you know. Uh, you know, you pick games, you have run lines and stuff like that. So everybody else does it, so why can't I do it? That don't oh, mean I'm betting. I'm, I'm picking. Right. So, so if you have to make a choice, uh, following the NFL, Eagles make the playoffs this year. I'm not. We're we're doing we're doing football next week. Okay, all right. We, have, we haven't got to football yet. All right. But my Bengals will make the playoffs. Hey, you got a good quarterback. You got a good quarterback. Great receiver. Joe Burrow. He just had appendix appendicitis surgery, but he's a winner. He was a winner at LSU. You're right. And he's he's a winner at the NFL. Pete, Pete, are you good at spotting a winner? Like when you meet them, when you see them, like, are, is it kind of like the thing where you can say he has it? Uh, I think I can tell if a, if a, if a person is positive or if he's phony. Yeah. I think it's easier to uh, uh, tell a guy's phony or not than it is to tell if he's legitimate or not. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, that's what I love about our city of Philadelphia. You probably agree that Philly can spot fake people. People in Philly are real people, and they'll let you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's why you fit in great here. Everybody in Philly loved the way you play your, played the game, how you hustled. And the guys on the team, they say you were the guy that came in and put them over the hump. They needed that and the well, attitude that you brought and the mojo. Yeah. Let, me, let, me tell you something. let me tell you something about like that. Uh, thank you for those kind words. Uh, but there again, my philosophy is everybody that plays baseball should play like I did. Because if you don't, you're cheating the people. Okay? If you want to run the first on a walk, go ahead and run. If you want to slide head first, go ahead and slide head first. If you want to be the first one on the field, go ahead and be the first one on the field. I played the game the right way. I played the game the way the Philly fans wanted me to play. Bola played the same way. Okay? Mike Schmidt played the same way. He just didn't, wasn't in motion like I was. Wazinski played his ass off. We had a bunch of players on the Phillies that played, busted their chops every day. You don't win a World Series if you don't have chopped guys who chopped their butts. Their butts. Pete, Very there simple. Pete, there is a great photo of you sliding into third base. I believe your hair is flying. What do you think of those oven mitts that they wear on their hand now, sliding head first? I never saw an oven mitt on your hands. Well, you can't reach and get to the base. I used to reach and get to base with my hands. I didn't use my nose. You know, guys today, don't even, they don't even have to slide head first. You, I mean, you see it every day. Yeah. Fundamentals are, there's a, a lot of fundamentals on a lot of teams are kind of lost. And uh, that makes the game boring for me to watch because I see the mistakes, even though my TV is right there. You know, so we'll see what happens. But uh, I am our baseball players. And I hope they uh, understand the situation they got in front of them. You know, because once you quit playing, you can't worry about hustling then. You got to hustle while you're playing. Make it feel good.
make you feel good. Make your family feel good. Make your teammates feel good. Make your fans feel good. Always remember, you're playing for the fans. What's the, what's the point of opening up the stadium and 3,000 people show up when there's 38,000 seats? Pete, can you imagine playing during the pandemic when they had cardboard cutouts of fans? It was completely empty. But you had to do what you had to do. There was yeah. a reason for that. You know, but uh, now the fans are back and they're enjoying the game. And and uh, I would think players all should be enjoying the game because the salaries are, even for the rookie players, are good. Hey, Pete, this has been great. And I think the people in Philly are going to love to hear this and love hearing from you. And they cannot wait to see you back with the 1980 World Champs at Citizens Bank Park on the field. So we look forward to it. We appreciate all the time you gave us today. Um, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday, big guys. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.